Hi, I'm Stephen Crafty. I'm presenting Talking Design at RMIT University in Melbourne. And I'm here with a very interesting guy, um, uh, um, someone who's really uh, made quite an enormous impact on my career, even though he doesn't realise it, in the mid-80s, when everyone was kind of doing one thing. Jeff Proven from Neo Metro and um, his business partner, Barry Ludlow, were doing something completely different. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Stephen. Nice to be here. And um, yeah, we do go back uh, some Long 30, time. <laughs> 30 odd years or something, or something like that. Yeah. Well, look, I think it's interesting. People don't understand the importance of Neo Metro, but Neo Metro actually started the laneway development idea back in the mid 80s when people wouldn't have even visited a laneway. You must, you came up with this scheme with Barry to start looking at land that wasn't used by anyone else. Yeah, look, it was really born out of um, trying to find something affordable and and something, um, you know, Barry had a a good design skill. Um, He he was a photographer by background. Father was a bricklayer, so, Mm -hmm. you know, we kind of learned how to build in between photography gigs. I came from an engineering background with a, you know, a few years of architecture. At RMIT. At RMIT. um, And I, you know, we sort of collaborated on a couple of small projects and then we decided um, we should do one of our own and, you know, and and it was really more out of what was driving us was really affordability uh, with the view to try and add some value um, to these sort of degenerated sites or sites that really were not really traditional residential spaces, yeah. I mean, there were back lanes in a city, places like Richmond, Cremorne, uh, I mean, it is risky business. I mean, presenting something with yeah, a glossy na- front door down a laneway. Yeah, naivety has a fair carries a fair bit of weight in that, and you know, and 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 that's what's sort of really good about a little change we see in sort of trends at the moment that um, we see some fresh blood coming through developers. But then, um, you know, I really, you know, young energy, you know, got lots of motivation. You want to really prove yourself. You want to have a really good crack. So risk um, is there, but it's low on the equation. You're starting with nothing, so you haven't got much to lose. And and the older you get, the more you have, the more risk averse you become because, you you know, your bandwidth reduces, your enthusiasm is still there. But, it, yeah, so when, when and, and that's what's sort of happening, a little bit of rebirth at the moment we're seeing in development. Jeff, the who were the buyers who came to purchase these townhouses down back lanes? Um, look, they were um, uh, sort of fairly well. And when I say educated people, they were people who had a had a bit of a vision of outside of Melbourne who had travelled. And I'm not saying they were intellects or of any particular job or socio-economic, but they could see see that they were looking for something that they couldn't perhaps get in a in uh, that to go down to go down to get that role, they had to go and see an architect, get an interior designer, get a builder, and what we were offering was a sort full of really, a, a full package that was done. But it had been really integrated, landscape, the whole lot, and you know, um, uh, and we were really learning as well. So there was an opportunity for someone to really buy this whole package, and and those were the days when you really you built something and then you sold it as opposed to selling off the plan. The other thing with Neo Metro, uh, which was later joined by Claire McAllister in the late 80s and um, architect Karen Orcock from MA Architects in the mid-90s, one thing I think was a real watershed moment was your use of colour in the mid-80s. 
really bold, you know, fuchsia doors, fuchsia coloured doors, bright walls. That must have been also pretty risky in a time which was fairly conservative and bland. Yeah, it was. I mean, we we sort of, um, you know, it was sort of small bits, very concentrated. And, and what we thought at the time was very well thought out. So if someone walked in, they weren't, they, they may have been... Um, they weren't polarised by or averse to this colour because it was fairly limited. And, and colour is something that... It'd be you know, joyous. It, it, it's joyous. And the reality at the end of the day, it's a painted surface. So you can kind of change it with however you want. But it wasn't... Um, it was done in a, in, a, in a considered way and it was really, um, you know, born out of our, you know, our interest in, you know, some of the Mexican architects and how... Louis Barrigan. Louis Barrigan, very much so, and his use of natural surfaces with this colour and how beautiful it was, you know, and very simple. And that's really what was inspiring us in that time. Um, Jeff, you... You, you designed, you built um, a number of uh, great townhouses right through the 80s, and then you started to change direction into the 90s into apartments, or did that come a bit later? When did you start oh, getting re- seriously re- into re- apartments? Really, really sort of mid-90s was um, uh, apartments, small, smaller scale, and then we, um, it was probably early 90s, um, I stumbled across a a second-hand designer furniture shop in St Kilda that I kind of really wanted this that was Lux. Lux, yeah. And there was a guy there who I kind of met. Or we were haggling over a Cabozier chair that I kind of, do I do a kitchen or do I buy this chair? And we went back three or four times to, and in, in the end, we kind of bought half the building with him. And um, and that was really the start of this sort of bigger size project. You know, there was 28 in it, mixed use design. It was also, I think, uh, you, you touched on it, mixed use. It yeah. was really one of the first projects that incorporated cafe at ground level, studios, apartments. Really quite unusual for Melbourne at that time, even though it's now quite common. Yeah, and it was, um, uh, you know, the mixed use idea was very much to offer a filter through the building. So, you know, we bought in Inkerman Street, which was pretty hardcore in those days. You know, it was the beat. It was sort of the really only commercial building in the street. The rest was sort of the, the municipal tip bit of open paddock, a Telstra exchange, a pub, you know, a, a C-grade pub. So it was pretty seedy, pretty, pretty seedy um, and, and it still has that little bit of nature about it, which is quite good. But but then, uh, and this was really an early lesson, What what's now becoming quite common is placemaking. And um, we had the we had the tenant before we'd sort of when we bought the building because you know we'd sort of going to buy this building how are we going to manage the ground floor because who are we going to get there so we really had this person lined up ready to go so the concept was born really as part of the building rather than traditional we build an apartment building we build a commercial space and then we go out and find whoever we can to pay the rent it's kind of all worked out from the start. Well, it's worked out from the start, and that yeah. brings brought that activity. So you actually got a sound tenant, someone who's proven in business, someone who's got some ideas, and and it was a, a very much a collaborative event at that point. And then really we offered a, um, and the building is we our office is still in the building. And it's still have, a great building. It, it's still you know we've got a fabulous light court and uh, mm. and. The amenity of the building really hasn't changed. The the idea was commercial, you know, retail at ground floor, offers at first floor again to filter, and then as you go up the building, it becomes more residential. But not to say people can't swap and change throughout the building. So it was very much the mixed-use building. 
Um, Jeff, how difficult was it to get through council at the time? Because it's a new concept and they would have said, well, what is it? Is it oh, an look, office? Is it a residence? Is it a cafe? Well, it was really early day, early days in the mixed-use zone that, that was brought about by the Minister. Um, City of Port Phillip were very supportive of it because they also saw that it being an opportunity to recycle a building, do a new building and also... Um, you know, bring some activity to what was, you know, a pretty run-down street, yeah. Um, you mentioned something before, placemaking, which is important, because you now, I mean, I've noticed where you tend to choose your developments, and they, they are in areas that were seedy, but it's almost like you get something great in a place, and that already automatically changes the ambience. So I'm thinking of Smith Street, Fitzroy, the Smith Street apartments, which you worked on with uh, Grant Amon. Yeah. Mm. You know, no one would have gone down there. They would have said, oh, who would bother with Smith Street? It's kind of full of junkies. Yeah. It's pretty grungy. Now it's actually almost as cool as Brunswick Street, if not more cool. How it, does that work? I mean, it's a huge, uh, must be a huge dilemma at the start, being the first. Oh, look, it was sort of, um, you know, you know, it had a, it was a building was a bit run down, had some tenants in it, and we just saw an opportunity to, um, to a degree, land bank it for a while and be able to you know, cover its costs and get the building back into a state of repair. So it took, you know, it was 10 yeah. years in the making, so to speak, before we actually did any development work there. And Smith Street has certainly gone through a change, but it's quite a bit different than the Brunswick Street area, which has become a, a hospitality area. Smith Street, which we still like, is very much a service core. So in our building there, you know, we've got a hairdresser, we've got a bank um, we've got Broadsheet in there who, who occupy one of the offices in a hospitality and then residential. So it was very much Smith Street we really like and we're doing another development there at the moment. Top of Smith Street. Top of Smith Street, again, which was, um, uh, we'll call it the McDonald's end. So it was sort of the, the, the poor cousin to, you know, and, and the minute we bought there and it was sort of this um, concept of how uh, you know, I'm not saying we started something there, but there was a little bit of energy there and then more energy came to that area, which has really now changed the face of that end of Smith Street. And I mean, they call it a fashion and art precinct. It, it very much is. And, and Gertrude Street, uh, the, the, the opportunities in Gertrude Street now have now slipped around the corner and all of a sudden in the last year or so we've seen uh, a whole lot of vacant vacant shops at the end of Smith Street down the McDonald's end become alive and there's no vacancies there anymore. So street activity, people are there, people are using it. It's really, really quite enlightening to see. Um, it's interesting, it, although it must be complimentary, uh, or, uh, you know, a compliment, um, a lot of people are now following your trend to to kind of pick more unusual sites. So yeah, how do you look, stay ahead of the game? Oh, well, look, I think, um, you know, what, what it is about activating sites and, and activating sites that are that have been traditionally, you know, not used or not seen as residential. I think the, the and it's not really a, a trend, it's really, um, it's Melbourne, Melbourne people have become more acceptable to living in in more urban locations and prepared to say, well, like, I'm happy to live down a laneway because I've got the facilities. And actually, the laneway's not a bad space. It's off the main street. It's Quiet. a bit quieter um, or it's backs onto another commercial building. So, you know, it's really the market out there is really finding that we're, we're happy to, to um, wear some of the compromises of living in these urban areas as opposed to, you know, transport, services, the arts around them, their hospitality. And with the case of the um, 
the Smith Street project, you included an art gallery for a while until the development was actually well, that, getting going. Yeah, that was really mainly about activating the site and also adding this energy. And, and you know, it was about for us about creating this environment that we felt was good for people to get used to living in there. It was an, an idea of, you know, rather than having it sit there vacant for three years, which also starts to destroy the fabric around it. Mm. So by putting an art gallery in there, we had a small cafe, we had our display suite, we put some had some artwork done on the street. So that was part of the energising of the site. And, um, you know, it, it that closes down and it becomes a construction site for 18 months. Mm. But we've created this energy there rather than it just slipping away and I look at other parts of Melbourne whether it be you know the the and I'll you know whether it be City Road or I look at um you look at Victoria Street where there's been no activity they've built a whole lot of big apartment buildings the commercial area is devastated and no one is prepared to go in there no one's prepared to gamble to to put a business in there because you're going to you're going to fail you've got vacancies all around you so that's our sort of motivation is to really activate these areas. Um, the other thing is with Neo Metro, it's quite an interesting practice. You do very sleek inner city apartments, such as uh, the Smith Street apartments, yeah. but then you also do the top end, and you've done a number of top end apartments, including those beautiful apartments in uh, Walsh Street, South Yarra, which was at the other end of the Richter scale. I mean, they were huge. They were like yeah. homes. And that's another trend that obviously you've picked up on that uh, people who are leaving their large family homes, they want to move into an apartment, but they don't want to move into something like a dog box. They want to, something spacious. Yeah, and, and, and you know, we call them downsizes. They're not really in, in, that, in not, that particular market, it's not downsizes. It's a transition from a family home to an apartment of equivalent accommodation with no no, backyard. Ca- no, no backyard and none of the sort of maintenance requirements. So, um, and and you know those particular product, you know the one we've just finished in Turak and Wall Street, were aimed at a particular market level, and it takes a particular skill level to work with a, the correct architects and designers to be able to deliver that product for that client, as opposed to, you know, as you know, for instance, at Jewel Station, which we're doing, which we're offering. Jewel Station's in Northcote? And, no, Jewel Station in Brunswick, which right. is a new project we're about to launch, but it's really, really at the other end of the scale, and not to say that it doesn't have the same design integrity or the same design input. They're just, you know, much smaller apartments. They're designed, you know, affordable, but they've still got this, um, this design sensibility about them. What do you think people are looking for in apartments now? I mean, it, it, they're so varied. I mean, there has been a trend to just providing very little um, and just thinking, well, people are going to make their own space. I found looking at a lot of Neo Metro's apartments, you've almost kind of, you don't overly design them, but you give them enough so they actually know what to do with the space. Yeah, it, 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 it has a particular um, uh, uh, design a design about it that that we try to um, look at every apartment and say, well, how is you know we ask the question, how is someone going to live in this apartment? And you know there might be five repetitions of that apartment, but and another part. So we look at everyone individually, and it's not just a matter of saying, well, that's fifty square meters, it'll work. We kind of think about how someone's going to live in it, um, and and what we're finding now is that more people are. Um, uh, you know, and certainly in in Melbourne, is that the the trend is we have a lot, a lot more owner occupiers who are now really saying apartment living is the way to go. We don't want 
that, whereas traditionally it was sort of you rent an apartment before you went and bought a house and moved out and had a family. Now we're actually having families buy these apartments. So there's a sort of much more purpose on the end user and the occupier. And and also we're also finding that um, there's a lot more people now who are just saying, well, I'm going to rent an apartment for the rest of my life. I'm going to have a holiday house. I'm going to travel. I don't need to have commitment in capital in a house. I can really rent, but I want to have somewhere that's it's not a temporary means. It's my permanent and has to feel like a home. So The other thing I find uh, interesting about Neo Metro is a lot of the apartments that are going up today, and there's so many thousand, I, ha- I can't mm. even begin to start, where, where to start, but... Um, a lot of them are kind of just ticking boxes. They've, they've got the cinema room, they've got the um, the swimming pool, the communal gardens. It becomes just this list that people are ticking. And it becomes expensive. From body corporate fees becomes very expensive. I mean, the Smith Street uh, case, if we're looking at that, there's uh, bicycle bicycle areas for bicycle, but there's not really, apart from the rooftop garden, there's not this huge list of goodies that you're meant to get excited about. Have we become too, you know, preoccupied with all these facilities that people might even want? Oh, look, I, I totally agree with that. And I think, you know, we're, we're, um, we're building an apartment building for living in and we're not building a gymnasium. We're not good at running gymnasiums and neither are the body corporate. So why wouldn't you... You know, there's gymnasiums around, so why wouldn't you go to a professional gymnasium that's got all the latest and greatest, you know, and, and, and that's what we're really looking at. We're, what we're really trying to do with these apartment buildings is bring a much amenity to them. And what we're now calling is this high-density happiness. And how do you – what is that in an apartment? You know, it's a, it's a whole lot of small things that create someone's happiness and mindfulness in an apartment because that's where you spend a, 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 you know, a fair bit of time. They're also – they're uh, not overly populated. They're generally low-rise. You go to three, four storeys, which is... Yeah, the, the, there's a few buildings we're doing now with Smith Street, sort of six and seven storeys, but that's about... But they're our, generally you're not doing, you know, skyscrapers, hundred storeys high. Um, so there's more of a grounded community feel, even though they haven't got the communal facilities... Is that important? I mean, is that a way of creating that community, having a more grounded building? Um, look, I think what we're trying to promote is in, in, in these buildings for the, for the owners and the occupiers to get together and create their own community. But you have to give them a really good foundation for that. And you have to give them, um, you know, a really good quality building that's low on maintenance, that functions really well. The, the bike rooms are not backed into a back corner where, you know, we couldn't do anything else in that space or put the bike room. The bike room has to take precedent because that's in Fitzroy. You know, we've just finished George Street and, you know, there's 40 apartments and there's something like 60 bikes in that. Great. Which is at ground level. You ride in, you ride out. And so they're the things you need to really consider um, that make that make, they're all little bits, but they all add up to making it function really well. And that's where you create the community. So in this building, you're more likely to, you know, off the lobby is the bike room, you're more likely to meet your neighbour in the bike room yeah. and and start a conversation than you are in the lift. Um, Jeff, I was going to ask you, 
you know, where because I have followed your career for such a long time, and I I always think you're well ahead of other people, and you might even want to divulge this information. But where do you think things are going? If you, if I said to you, where do, what if you were still in the game, which I presume you will be in five ten <laughs> years, where do you think you'll be moving towards? Have you, do you think about that? Oh, look, we're, we're you know looking at other opportunities in residential that um, you know we're seeing opportunities now for these people who just really want to rent. They want to share some workspaces. So there's sort of other fields where you can kind of dabble in beyond the residential model of stuff, and it's a little little bit back to a mixed use environment, combination of work live spaces, um, and that's sort of really. Certainly, what's happening in a city and because technology is changing the way we work. Te- technology, absolutely, and where we don't want to sit in our apartment and work, but we want to sit close to where we are. We want to collaborate with our friends. We want to we want to entertain with our friends. So we're just starting to look at other other things we can bring to the table in terms of the apartment size, the how an apartment works, and you know common spaces how they can be better utilised. So. You know, you're always trying to sort of, um, uh, you, you know, the the statistics say one thing and the real estate agents say one thing, and I always sort of think the statistics are a bit like a, you know, a lamppost to a blind man. It's mm. all right to lean on, but they don't really in don't really light the way. So mm. that's the. It's a really good question, and we're we don't have an answer and we're kind of continually trying to investigate what's happening overseas, what's happening locally, where we see all these other little enterprises happening and how we get energy from this. Um, Jeff, the other thing is you've really, Neo Metro's made a mark in Melbourne, a huge mark for many, many years. You haven't really tackled Sydney and other places. Is it just too distracting or is it just because Melbournians kind of like doing things a certain way or you feel comfortable oh, just working look, I, in Melbourne? I, I think it's, you know, you know, you stick to your knitting and, and, you know, yeah, you'd like to do something beyond, but there's so much to do here and really... Um, you know, you don't want to grow into this uh, generic product. Generic product. You know, we're happy with what we do here and staying out. You know, at a size of the projects we do. We're certainly our project size is gone because we're a slightly bigger organisation now and our overhead, so we can no longer really do small developments. Um, you know, so we have to really. There's a commercial side to our business and a social side to our business, and then a, and then you know what we feel we want to leave as a legacy and a and a mark and what we enjoy doing. Well, that's an important point to end on. The legacy is that, you know, you can just whack up as many apartments as you like, use prefab concrete, you know, stick in the tacky windows. But to you, it's much more than that. Well, look, you know, I've been doing this, you know, we've been really doing, I call it speculative development for, you know, 30, over 30 years now. And, and, and we all think, oh, 30 years, God, that's a long time, you know. And I, you know, we did our office building uh, 15 years, uh, year 1995, we moved in. So we've been there, you know, for, um, what's that, uh, 20, 20 years, 20, 20 years, right? And, and, you know, at the time, and I'll just draw an instance, you yeah. know, we put in some door furniture in the car park thinking, oh, that'll see, you know, 10 years. Well, 10 years is not a long time. And all of a sudden that starts to wear out. So you start to understand that a, a building does wear out, gets tired. So you want something that, that, that is going to last the test of time in terms of its, you know, its look and feel and not be shabby within a, within a period of time. And that takes experience, commitment, 
and you know and design integrity and construction integrity and that's really the key to it mm. you know we build a we build a building it's here for 50 to 100 years you 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 do a bad book you can kind of put it down the back of the shelf and it doesn't yeah. really affect anyone but yeah. you got to we've all got to drive past this and look at it and it affects you know buildings really affect our environment and how we live and it's something you don't want to walk past in 10 years time and go what was i thinking yeah, there's a couple of there's a couple oh. there's a couple of those one or two of those i go what was i thinking but well, we were mention those oh not, not really? really not really i just don't go past it. no there's not too many around and some of the um you know some of our buildings now i i look and i they're still some of my favorites that that are that are actually pretty um pretty raw and pretty lean um because of budgets and you know inexperience at the time but they're really standing the the test of time well look jeff to was one of the most memorable projects i went to see was many many years ago was your own house in hawthorne yeah. i adored that i was it was raining you let me in even <laughs> though it was on the market and it was already closed for inspections i walked in i thought it was magical yeah look it was a it was one of those places that i bought with my business partner we were going to redevelop it, it was a, an old you know it was an old victorian house built in the 1850s been chopped into two houses then chopped into four flats in the 40s so it was very much bastardized and I, I sort of had to move in with my family to buy my business partner out and we kind of lived there and one day, went, one day I went down with a sledgehammer and knocked a few doorways out and and then this sort of bones of this beautiful building came up and and it was a re- very much a, an interiors project where um, you know, I kind of think there was a few things. Oh, cringe a little yeah. bit now, but um, oh, it's lovely. But but it, but it had, had a, it was a real jewel uh, and a and a very much an opportunity to to you know your own place is somewhere where you can experiment yeah. because you know you, you've got to live with it. And uh, I mean, that would have been probably late eighties. Yeah, late eighties. Late eighties. Yeah, yeah. But what I loved about that place, and I think it's still virtually intact today, is just the way it was layered. Yeah. It was really just beautifully layered. It yeah. wasn't, you know, there were new additions, but the old was left. Yeah. Some of the walls were kind of a little bit distressed. And in a sense, we're starting to get that distressed look into buildings in 2016. We yeah. have the last few years, yeah. but really, you're onto it already. <laughs> Not purposefully, but, mm. you know, mm. onto that in yeah. the late 80s. Yeah. So um, it is interesting watching where you go next, and I yeah. will keep my eyes open. Thank you. And... Um, Look, it's been a pleasure. You've been with uh, Jeff Proven, uh, director from uh, Neo Metro, and you've been listening to Stephen Crafty Talking Design. Thanks so much for coming in, Jeff. Thank you, and I've really enjoyed it, and um, hopefully we're around in another 30 years. I'm Stephen. sure you will be. <laughs> okay.